Well, friends, today I want to talk about patience, waiting, and trusting in the love of God. Now, this past week, I saw a surprising advertisement um, with the province essentially lifting all COVID restrictions on July 1st. There's uh, a rave planned that night from midnight to 2 a.m. And the idea is to celebrate with masks off. The feeling is the waiting is over. You know, as I saw that ad, I had two strong responses. On the one hand, I was worried this was too much too fast. But on the other hand, I also understood the desire, you know, the need for this party. Because waiting is challenging. COVID has forced us into a posture of patience many of us have barely been able to maintain. There's been uh, a desperation to stop the isolation and reconnect in person with family and friends. A desperation to take off our masks and never think of them again. You know, a desperation to have our lives back. And as Christians, we've been turning to God for help and for relief. The waiting has felt too long. And for many, this waiting that's been forced on us on a global scale reflects the tension of waiting that many of us have experienced in our own lives. And it's been hard. Because when we can't do anything but wait, we keenly experience our frailty and weakness, the fact that in the end, we're just human. And waiting comes in all shapes and sizes. Some of you are working hard to make your business work, waiting to see if you'll make it, afraid to see the collapse of your life's work. Now, and some of you are investing in personal relationships, waiting and hoping they work out, terrified that they won't. And many of you are taking care of yourselves. You're eating healthy, you're getting exercise, but through sickness or age, your body is falling apart. Always waiting longer for the soreness to go away or waiting to hear the next news from the doctor. You know, in the Book of Common Prayer, in the Collect for Palm Sunday, we pray this. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his patience. In this Collect, we're praying for the patience of Jesus. But we know that the patience of Jesus is a burden. The waiting is a heartache. So I want us to dwell on today's gospel reading because what Jesus shows here is so incredibly important. And what's so essential for us to recognize is that the patient and deliberate love of Jesus can't be hurried. God's love doesn't work on our timing. It works on God's timing. And yet, we can trust him. So let's recap the gospel reading. In today's passage, we're introduced to Jairus, a lay synagogue leader. And that's a really important position, which means he's wealthy, he's pious, and he has a solid reputation. And so Jairus comes to Jesus, desperate to have his dying daughter healed. And Jesus agrees to go with him. Now, on the way, a woman who's been struggling with bleeding sickness for years 
touches Jesus and everything stops. Now, it's important to consider the woman. Now, although she's not named, we learn quite a bit about her. She's been sick and bleeding for years, which would make her uh, ceremonially unclean. So according to ancient Jewish tradition, she wouldn't be allowed to enter places of worship. She's also spent all her money on doctors, and now she's poor. And she's a woman. So in the culture of that time, she was close to the bottom of the social ladder. In other words, she is a social outcast. Now, you couldn't have two more opposite people in this one story. Jairus is a man in a patriarchal society. He's wealthy, he's pious, and his need is immediate. His daughter is dying. The woman is an outcast. She's poor and her condition is chronic, but she's not in immediate need. And yet, Jesus stops everything for her. And here's the first sign that God's timing isn't our timing. You know, our cultural timing, both then and now, privileges those with power, those with money, connections, you know, the popular, the famous, and we ignore those who we deem unworthy of our time and effort. And if you're unsure that this is true today, I want to encourage you to listen to last week's sermon by Reverend Howard on the mass grave of children found in the former residential school in Kamloops. This is who we are. But Jesus is different. He stopped everything for this woman. Even as Jairus' daughter was at death's door, he stops for this cultural nobody. Why? Because at the end of the book of Mark, Jesus goes to the cross. And there he shows us that the grace of God is the reversal of human values. That to be powerful is actually to give power away and sacrifice for others. That to have a fulfilled life is not about the accumulation of money and comfort, but to devote yourself to the fulfillment and happiness of others. That the way to have a great life is to be willing to die. That the way to be a good person in the eyes of God is to admit that you aren't, that you're a sinner in need of grace. That's why Jesus stops. The love of God reverses the values of the world. I mean, over and over again in the Gospels, it shows how the tax collector connects with God over the religious person, how the prostitute connects with Jesus over the Pharisee. And the woman in today's reading was on the lowest social rung and had a lower quality of faith than Jairus, but Jesus made time for her immediately. So first, we need to understand that the timing of Jesus is a preference for those whom the world neglects and forgets. And our hearts should be shaped like this. Secondly, when we come to Jesus, expect to receive and give more than you imagine. 
Both Jairus and the woman get more than they bargained for, and they give more than they imagined. The woman gets and gives in her healing, and Jairus in his waiting. I mean, what did Jairus and the woman get and give? Well, consider the reading. You know, the woman has a near magical take on Jesus. You know, if she can just touch him, she'll be healed. For her, the healing is all she needs, you know, to touch Jesus and, to, and then to get lost into the crowd and, you know, live her life. But Jesus stops everything. He stops everything and then he lets her know, daughter, your faith has healed you. Essentially, Jesus is saying to her and to us, daughter, there is all the difference in the world between a semi-superstitious person who got a bodily healing and a life-transformed disciple of mine for all eternity. Essentially, he makes her go public with her faith. You know, she was just looking for a bodily healing, but Jesus not only heals her, he, he jumpstarts her journey of living a life of public trust in him. You know, an eternal relationship of love with the Son of God. She gets and gives more than she imagined. And as all this is going on, Jairus receives the message he most feared. Your daughter is dead. You know, Jairus's heart must have been broken in unimaginable pain. You know, he came to Jesus in faith. He trusted Jesus and they were so close, but he stopped for this random woman and now it's too late. But Jesus says to him and to us, don't be afraid, just believe. In other words, trust me. You know, we can come to God in our desperation and it can look like it's working out for everyone but us, but I'll tell you what I'm seeing here and what I've learned in my own life is that when you're stuck in the tension and the waiting, you need time to get something you just don't have yet. And here I want to be sensitive because I'm sure some of you are going through the thick of it right now. And if, you know, if we sat down for coffee and you shared your story with me, I'd be there with you asking, well, what's going on? Why is God making you wait? So let me just speak about me. And if it makes sense about me, then it can make sense about you. You know, I know what it's like to wait to have the longings of my heart deferred or denied. And what I've come to learn is that a lot of my life's frustration was actually born from my arrogance and believing that I knew exactly how my life should go. You know, I've been a Christian for a while now, and I could look at Jesus and say, yeah, you know, I see you there being the creator of the universe, but I know how my life should go. But then when I think about it, how is that even possible? How could I know all the facts about who I am and what I need? I have to be near omniscient. You know, Elizabeth Lash Quinn is a historian at Syracuse. And she was doing uh, a little cultural analysis and said this about our modern culture. And she said, and I quote, in our culture, we are taught that everything that is not us is there to be manipulated by us for our own ends. 
you know, what's interesting about her insight is that that's already in my heart, no matter what our culture is. Of course, she's saying that our modern culture makes it even worse. You know, we feel like, why isn't everything, why isn't everything going exactly the way I planned? And the answer is, we're not God. Therefore, the self-righteousness and self-centeredness that needs to be removed from my heart and our hearts is to a great degree removed by the waiting. And there's Jairus, giving and getting more than he imagined. He's being called to trust Jesus in the midst of the most terrible news. He came to Jesus for a fever cure. He's getting a resurrection. And it's the resurrection that proves to us that the patient love of Jesus is a love we can completely trust. You want to find the basis for trusting Jesus? Look at verse 30. It says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. You know, the commentators will tell you that this story is unique in all the healing stories of Jesus. It's the only one where for the woman to become strong, he has to become weak. You know, in the passages just before our gospel reading today, we learn that Jesus does two incredible miracles. Jesus calmed the storm, and then he released a man from a legion of demons. And and, and those... Uh, Miracles, he doesn't go all Harry Potter or Gandalf with, you know, dramatic incantations. He simply speaks and it's done. Why then was his strength taxed to heal this woman? Weren't those other two miracles even greater than a healing? What we're seeing here with her healing is a sign. You see, when he arrives at Jairus' home, Jesus says to them that the little girl is sleeping. And they laugh at him because they know that she's dead. But Jesus goes to the little girl and he takes her by the hand and he says to her, Talitha kum. You know, the first word Talitha is translated little girl, but that doesn't get across what's being said. You know, it's difficult to translate. It's a word like you know, little lady or sweetheart. You know what a mother would say to her little daughter. And the second word is kum. And it's not like arise. It's more like what you would say to a child waking up. So what Jesus is saying is more like what you might say on a sunny summer day to your napping child. Honey, it's time to get up. And he takes her by the hand and he gently pulls her from the darkness of death. And that's unprecedented. I mean, even in the Old Testament, one of the most powerful prophets ever, Elijah, when God uses him to bring a boy back to life, he repeatedly stretches over the boy and he's blowing on him. You know, it's an incredible amount of commotion. But Jesus holds the little girl's hand and gently wakes her up. Because to Jesus, a fever, a storm, and death are all the same. None can withstand his power. You know, when you're, you're little and your parent holds your hand, you feel so safe. But the truth is, you're not perfectly safe. 
Even the best parents can lose a child. I mean, we parents sometimes make wrong choices. It's tough to always give yourself for your children. It's a constant battle between our desires and their needs and their futures. And no parent gets it 100% right. But Jesus does. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And that changes everything. You know, St. Paul writing to the Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church, he says this, For to be sure he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him. You know, Jesus went to the cross. Like the healing of the woman, he became weak so that we would become strong. He lost his father's hand on the cross. You know, there's nothing more terrifying for a child to lose their parent's hand in the darkness. And that's nothing compared to what Jesus did. He died for us. You know, he went to the tomb and he was raised by God so that by God's power, we will live with him. His weakness on the cross transforms our weakness into the power of God in us. And so what's that power of God? It's the presence of Jesus, the love and peace of God, that even in the weakness of our waiting, we are safe in the hands of Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. After taking all this sin, is Jesus someone you'd want to hurry? Is Jesus someone you'd like to force into your human timing? Wouldn't it be infinitely better to trust the patient love of God found in Jesus Christ? You know, as the Book of Common Prayer says, mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. You see, Jesus knew the only way to hold our hand in the darkness was through the cross. That the only way to re the resurrection was through death. That the only way to power was through weakness. The waiting, the patient love of Jesus teaches us that. Not only does he teach us through our own weakness, but in trusting him, we develop humility, grace, and wisdom. It's in the waiting that we become the people we ought to be. And it happens only through Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus said, Father, is there any way we can just go to salvation and I don't have to go through this? It was called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, is there any way we can just sort of, you know, take a shortcut to the resurrection without the cross? The answer was no. My friends, let us be conformed to the patience, to his patience, that we might be made partakers in the resurrection. Are you trying to hurry Jesus? Take him by the hand and trust him. He loves you completely. He knows what he is doing. 
It's time to wake up. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, the waiting is so hard. And yet we thank you that you are there with us. We thank you that your love and your peace is available to us. If only we trust you. Help us to do that. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.